blizzarding during the light at around noon central time in Chicago, the day after the lottery. I'm going to post this right after we talk. The Wizards had a 3.8 chance at getting the ninth pick. They had a 0.2% chance at getting the 10th pick. They couldn't fall below 10th, which means they had a 4%, a 96% chance at getting better than the ninth pick. And they got the ninth pick. The Wizards struggles have now all of a sudden trickled into just the general luck department. I am sitting in my hotel room in Chicago, and on the Skype line I have, I might as well just call him my co-host at this point, uh, who is also in Chicago, but just not sitting with me as I sit in my underwear in my hotel room at, at the Hilton, in the Hilton lobby on his telephone. His telephone? What year is it? Is Ben Standick. What What is happening? It is a happening scene over here. I literally just ran into Troy Brown like five minutes ago. Oh, yeah. I saw him last night. I asked him uh, uh, I asked him what he was doing there. He said endorsements. It's like, okay, you're here for the cash. We all got to yeah, make a no, living. He, he, said, he said flat out, like, it's pretty cool that people want to, like, give him money to, like, sign stuff. I was like, yeah, yeah I agree. That sounds pretty cool to me. It sounds like legitimately one of the coolest things that can happen to a 19-year-old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, 100%, 100%. If I were 19 working in my, like, stupid journalism internship in the middle of college and, and people and people were like, hey, do you want money? We will fly you to Chicago, put you up in a nice hotel, and all you have to do is just, like, sign papers. Done. Easy. Yeah, I was, I was pretty excited the first time somebody wanted to pay me money to cover a sporting event, but that was actually still having to do work. I mean, I know it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it's not, there's other things, you know, real work, still work. That is literally showing up to you, like, sign your name. That is fantastic work So for, for him. So very, uh, very impressive. I know. How was the trip in? Um, it was fine, but I, I, I'm, I'm working on almost no sleep, and it almost cost me. So I was at the NBC Sports Washington, part of the whole uh, draft lottery festivities and then but I, I when we were done i had to do the draft um i had to do, uh, draft law update the draft the lottery you know, the, you know, the, the mock draft not the lottery but the actual mock draft and, and all that stuff and then i had to go home i still hadn't my packed yet and then my flight was at 7 a.m so i had to be at the airport pretty early so i decided at like three in the morning I'm like well, what is this stupid i'm just gonna drive to the airport so i drove to the airport Parked in the long-term parking at, B- at BWI, decided, well, I have, like, a little bit of time to kill. I'm going to fall asleep here for a minute. So I fell asleep for, like, an hour. But then, like, I was like, oh, crap, I got to go. And then, like, as I looked at my car window, I see the, the shuttle buses are there. So I'm like, oh, so I grabbed my bag, got on the bus, fell asleep on the bus, get get get, get to the southwest gate. And as I'm getting off, I realize, oh, crap, I left my glasses in my car. So I said to the, to the driver, I'm like, hey, uh, how long is this all to go back and forth? He's like, 20 minutes. I look at my watch, I'm like, I had time. I'm like, all right, but so now I, so I get stay on the bus, I go back, but now people are starting to pile on. You know how it is, like, you're on that shuttle bus. Some people are probably like, I got to go, let's hurry up. Plus, it's, like, early in the morning, everybody's cranky, and then here comes real pressure. Don't give me this pressure about having to make two free throws late in the game. Real pressure is, like, the, the woman is nice enough to let me get off the bus, run three aisles over to my car, search for my glasses, which I wasn't sure where they were. I, it took me a minute, I finally found them. But, like, I can feel that the whole world is going, what is this idiot doing running to his car? Why are we waiting? That was legitimate pressure. Now, I mean, like, at least now I know what it feels like, like I said, to at least to be at that free throw line late in the game because 
that is that that spot was a bad spot to be in, and I was half asleep. I, I have no idea how I uh, how I functioned. It was, it was it was not good. That is that is Kawhi Leonard ball bouncing around the rim. <laughs> Ugh, that's so stupid. That makes me. That just makes me shove off Kawhi. You kidding me, Kawhi? You yeah, may have yeah, hit yeah. the only Game 7 buzzer beater in NBA history, but this guy lost his glasses. I'm just saying, you're on that shuttle bus. You know, you know how it's like, what are we doing? Let's go. i got things to do. I don't, I don't I have to wait for this idiot. It's true. Kawhi only had the fate, the fate of a country hanging on him. You had the fate of a shuttle bus. So... <laughs> yeah, no, totally. He, he he had to you know he had to shoot over Joel Embiid. I had to shoot with prying eyes on me, going, well, "What is this guy doing?" But found the glasses, got on the plane, got to Chicago. We're good to go. All right, so let's let's talk about this uh, before we get to the Wizards. I, I'm starting with okay, guys. When I, I when I write about the lottery, and I like throw a thing in, I'm like you know. A, a good luck charm helping. I'm I'm not talking to you, Ben. I'm I'm talking to the the people in the void. I'm clearly being ironic. Just throwing it out there. So, so somebody uh, pointed out. I don't know why I read the comments. I read the comments. Somebody pointed out on the story that I wrote where it's like you know long shot. It was something along the lines. Of, it was about long shot teams with long shot odds winning and how teams with long shot odds don't have such a bad chance was the title. Somebody commented on it. This title doesn't actually make any sense. It's like, no kidding. No kidding that if you have long shot odds, you have a good chance or you don't have a good chance. Please, please. Okay. Everyone had long shot odds. New Orleans had the least long shot odds in reality because New Orleans ended up winning. The Wizards were one ping pong ball away from winning the lottery, and that's my story from this morning. If uh, if you would like to check it out, that would be lovely. Uh, the final combination was 7, 4, 12, 13, and the way it works is there are you know, a gazillion different combinations, and uh, the Wizards had nine of those, 9% of those combinations assigned to them. Um, so the final combination, which the Pelicans won, was 7, 4, 12, 13, and the Wizards owned... Six, four, twelve, thirteen. So they were one, one ball away from actually winning the lottery. Turns out they get nine. Who? What? What storyline from last night? What shocked you the most? What storyline was the best? What are you thinking? Um, you know, it's, it. it, it uh, I had a weird vantage point because I was on set at NBC Sports Washington, and uh, the I was where I was sitting. They had a TV on, but it had a weird angle. And then I swear, somebody in the control room literally decided at the moment that the Adam that they were revealing the the, the the picks, they turned the TV off that I could sort of see. And so I was like, "Whoa, what's happening?" And so the, I could then uh, the people in the, the the newsroom, which is sort of right off of where I was, they're watching on other TVs, and I could hear reactions. And then all of a sudden, I hear the the groaning. I was like, "Oh, wait, that seems like it was pretty quick." And I was like, "Wait, there there are nine? <laughs> what?" <laughs> That is a oh well. First, I guess it was that the Lakers moved up, and then I was heard the groaning from from the Wizards. So, so that was just awful. I, I but like from like a bigger picture perspective, like 
the, the thing about the Zion stuff, it isn't just that, you know, obviously we've been focusing on it, could the Wizards get lucky, but just the ramifications that it's going to have, the fact that he went to New Orleans, who still have to deal with Anthony Davis, who may or may not stay, or the Pelicans may or may not trade him, and if they, do, if they don't trade him, that has ramifications for teams like the Lakers and the Celtics, who've been trying to get him. If they do trade him, which team gets him? Uh, the, the, like, I mean, anywhere Zion went was going to be impactful in a hundred ways for that team. But the fact that he went there, it almost feels like it gins up the NBA offseason even more, which is saying something. So um, obviously Zion is going to be a fascinating story, but from the bigger NBA perspective that he went there really is just crazy as to, to all the things that could, could fall out from it. I mean, did it save basketball in an entire city potentially? Like well, I was sort of, jo- I was joking last night, like, you know, people, you know, always say like these lotteries are rigged. I'm like, wow, what a gift from the NBA that they gave Seattle Zion Williamson in three years. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but like, seriously, did it save, because if they hold on to ED and they're decent and all of a sudden people start showing up because they have Zion, they're going to get so much more media coverage now. And like. Maybe it did. Maybe it saved. I don't know. We're gonna. Have, the only way we're gonna know is we're gonna live through it, and we're gonna find out at some point if it did or it didn't. But if it were gonna save, like this is what it, you know, a thing that would happen if basketball there were going to be saved. You know, it's just it's a crazy thing. I'll tell you what else is crazy from this. And so this is this is you want this is one of my favorite forms. I'm really just getting up on my on my soapbox today and just complaining about. Every single kind of person. Uh, so, so this is really how prevalent confirmation bias is with this stuff. So everybody, you know, every fan thinks the the lottery is rigged, right? And sure. so, if if the Knicks win the lottery or the Lakers win the lottery, what's the reaction? Oh, it's rigged. They no. just want the Knicks and Lakers to be good again, right? Right. Obviously. So last night, I tweeted out New Orleans and Memphis who have the first and second pick respectively in the draft, are also the smallest and second smallest markets in the NBA. And half of the responses are, this thing is rigged. They just want to build up the small markets now. I'm like, what? (laughs) What? You will just say that to everything. I am – I am – I'm over I'm over being around people. I think I'm I think I'm either I think I'm just not around people enough anymore. And now I've just lost all of my ability to tolerate anything. I think I'm turning more and more into Costanza every day. Well, I, there there have been points in my life where if you said to me what television character do you have you ever related to the most, I probably would say Costanza, which says something about my own mentality in life. So don't, don't, you don't want to go down that path, Fred. You're uh, you're far too sane to to, to, to to travel there. No, I'm not. My transformation is happening, and it's happening very quickly. It's happening very quickly. Uh, I do think it's fascinating that picks number one and two are the two smallest markets in the league, though, because that's going to be – it's just going to be really interesting for that. You don't think of New Orleans as a small market because it's like – I mean, I've said on this podcast 580 times that I'm just totally obsessed with that city. It well, plus is, they have like a Super Bowl there you know, every third year, right? So it exactly. feels like it's a – And they have a, a million big, events you know, and like they have a million events and they – Final Fours. They yeah. have tons of tourists. Everyone should want to go to New Orleans for a weekend or something like that. It's just – it's an incredible place. And I don't even like it for the nightlife. That's not my, my thing there. It's the food. I mean the food is – it's the best food city in 
in the country, in my opinion. Uh, it's just it's unbelievable, and it's so much fun. And I go there, and I gain five pounds for one road trip. You know, I go in the morning before a game. I eat all day. Game day, I eat all day. I leave the next morning, and I've somehow gained four and a half pounds in my trip there. And it's, like, worth it every single time. And uh, I just – it's a great place to go, and yeah, like you said, they host Super Bowls. They they have they also have this extremely uh, defined and particular culture. The music there, the partying there, the kind of just you know freeness of that's part of the culture there. The way it just doesn't really look like any other city uh, that's here. You know, people go to Chicago and they're like, it looks like New York. Chicago's a great city. Uh, people go to you know, other cities, and they're like, well, yeah, this reminds me of this, you know, and New Orleans is just so particular in that sense, and so people don't think of it as this kind of small place, but from population and an actual market perspective, it is it is quite small, and having that much media there, they have the infrastructure and everything to support all of that because they host all of these ginormously important and, and massive events, like you said, the Super Bowl and NBA All-Star Weekend and all that stuff, but... But it's just going to be fascinating from a uh, from like a basketball cultural standpoint how things change there because things are going to change, especially if Anthony Davis stays. Like there is so much, there's just so much that's going to be to this. It's going to be it's it's a great storyline to follow. Yeah, I mean everybody uh, you know did some sort of a winners and losers from the draft. Among the winners were the national NBA media who would travel to follow Zion Williamson wherever he goes. Now they get to go to New Orleans on the regular. That's not going to suck. Um the one thing that was, oh, was funny but last night because you mentioned the, the New Orleans being a food city there were people I was around who were who were going, you know, I'm a little worried about Zion now because not saying he's fat not saying anything like that, but obviously he's a big guy. He's got a lot of weight already, and now you're putting him in, in this city, which is known for its food and all that. Like, yeah, hopefully, uh, you know, he's uh, he's on top of it. And the Pelicans uh, keep him away from uh, all the beignets and, uh, <clears throat> and and all that good stuff. But uh, but yeah, no, uh, that, that that was a uh, yeah. The New Orleans thing is interesting. I, here's my thing, though. You mentioned the small market. I mean, it, just in terms of, I mean, there will be a lot more attention, obviously, but from a day-to-day, like, you know, do, are, how many p- more people are going to now get tickets that didn't before? It's easy to say that they will, but the Saints are still a bigger deal, even with Z- like Zion. Like, I wrote a thing last week about how if Zion came to D.C., he would be the biggest, uh, most mesmerizing athlete in town based on the current situation. There's no Redskin that really resonates. Alex Ovechkin is, is a hero, but he's playing in a sport that most people don't care about. But the Zion going over there, the, the, the Saints remain a big deal. They're Super Bowl contenders. Drew Brees is a guy. I don't know if it's the same thing, and the Pelicans really are not a, a thing there. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that translates from sort of the day-to-day um, crowd standpoint, but the, the, the bigger picture that, that you know the people listening to this would care about, if they can convince Anthony Davis to stay, or they just say, "Look, we're not trading you. We'll, we'll, for now, we'll deal with it at the uh, deadline." To have him and Anthony Davis together with Drew Holiday, I mean, that could be really. I mean, you talk about league pass teams. I mean, that that they would probably be probably be top of the list, even ahead of like Golden State, because we've seen that show a hundred times. Um, that 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 that'd be, could be a fascinating watch, and I think I'm excited to see it. If uh, you know, if that's the way they go, it's going to be absolutely fascinating. Uh, what do you make of the Wizards being nine? I mean, I I like. 
to me, to me, six to nine, and and I've I've said like I, I'm not an expert on these uh, prospects, and I, I'm gonna have people on the podcast moving forward who, you know, now that we know what pick the Wizards are, and we got five weeks till the draft, we got plenty of time to dive into analysis, and I'm gonna get better at all this and all this stuff, so I know to ask the right questions and all that, and I will talk to scouts and people around the league, and I've already been doing that for a while anyway, and I'm. I'm going to have Sam Vecini on and all that stuff, uh, and we're going to really dive into draft stuff. But just from from the Wizards getting number nine and the perspective of that, I don't know if it's that. Like, So the Wizards were sixth best lottery positioning, and everybody was like, well, the Wizards are, you know, let's say the Wizards get the sixth pick. It's like, if you're going to shoot out hypotheticals, their most likely positioning was seven. Right. So, like, yeah, they, they really fell back. From an actual execution standpoint, I don't know if seven versus nine is this huge franchise. I don't. I don't think it's this huge, huge franchise-altering thing. I think one versus three is a huge franchise-altering thing. But I don't know if seven versus nine is really that. From what I've heard over the last few months, I've been told at different points over the last few months. And keep in mind, Ernie is gone, but the whole organization's still there. And who knows who's going to be drafting, who's going to be there when they draft. But uh, I've heard for months now, they either, I've heard from some people, they like 11 guys, and some people, they like 10 guys. Either way, those numbers are more than nine. So I think they're still okay as an organization because they, they can get a guy who they know they like. And they can bring in guys for workouts who they know they like, and they know they'll have a chance at one of those guys. Uh I don't. I don't think it's this huge dire thing. It's just like it's just unreal to see. Man, they had a, there was a ninety six percent chance they were going to get a better pick than this, and in a season where just like everything went wrong, obviously a lot of it self inflicted, but some of it not self inflicted. Some of it just bad luck. John Wall tripping and tearing his Achilles. That's just bad luck. It's not like John Wall was was you know misplanning and then tore his Achilles. Like that's just bad luck. In this season of bad luck, it's just like okay, why don't we take the thing that was four percent likely to happen and make that happen for the Wizards? You know, it's just nothing is breaking their way right now. Was Ron Baker never scoring a point bad luck or something else? <laughs> Ron Baker came uh, relatively close to. The record for most minutes played with a new team, for most minutes played with a team without scoring a point. I I I looked it up and I feel like I might have been wrong because it was weird to to look this up. But uh, I the record, God, I don't even remember who it was. The record was fifty something minutes, and I just thought it was too mean to write at the time, so I didn't write it. And it just wasn't worth it. It was just well enough to just say he has zero points and just leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> and if he breaks the record, then I'll acknowledge it. It was like 50-something minutes, and he played like 45 and didn't score a point. Um, all right. so what, so, so no, answer the question. What, answer the question. Was it luck? Uh, what, that he didn't score a point? Yeah. Uh, no, nah, I think that was skill. He did have a great transition block, though. My uh, my boss wanted me to ask him about that whole story from earlier in his career when he when, when the uh, 
um, contact fell out, and then he like put it in his mouth, and then oh, put it yeah. in his ear, and I and and I and I did, and he was cool about it, and he said that was something he grew up doing on the farm or whatever he or from where he's from, and he's done it all the time, and I I, would, I had just hadn't gotten around to to writing about it, and then I let him go, and I was like, oh, I guess there goes that. So we all have our Ron Baker stories like still in the vault if need be. Maybe he'll <laughs> hey, come back next hey, year. You never Chase, know. Chase Hughes wrote the best Ron Baker story, which is that he wore. Number eighty four, because it was the mean, it was the mean numbers of all of the birth years of his immediate family, sure. which is sure. which is just one of the quirkiest and best reasons I've ever heard for wearing a number. You know, we're 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 being mean now, so I should say this: Ron Baker, great guy. He's a very nice guy. Great guy, really fantastic guy. Like I asked. Uh, people over at his agency when they signed him, what's Ron Baker like? They were like, seriously, the best person that we have ever worked with. And I'm like, for real? And they were like, no, no, he's legit the best person we've ever worked with. So Ron Baker, top top tier person. Just this in, yeah, just this, in the this, score. This, this, this was my, my fault for going down his path. All right, but I'll steer us back to to, to the Wizards. Who would have so thought we were going to talk about Ron Baker for a solid two minutes on this podcast? This is this is what happens when I've slept for ninety minutes and had I told you about my harrowing eyeglasses story. Um, the um, but okay, but so to get back to this, so so this is there's a few angles here to to consider. So for one, in terms of like, are they? Yes, I mean, look, it's just bad luck that 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 they fell back and and all that stuff. And I think the the worst part of that luck, it's not so much the player because this draft, from everybody I've talked to, and, and you know, I've been. You know, doing mock drafts for a little bit now and trying to catch up on on all that and you know the, the general sense I get is you know obviously Zion Williamson tier but then there's another tier John Moran I would probably put R J Barrett in there but okay whatever maybe there's a tier between them and then like what you know the, the sense is it gets kind of ordinary pretty quick that the guys who are going to be picked four five and six would be be pink picked ten eleven twelve in other years. And <clears throat> but even still though if you look at the mock drafts ESPN Sports Illustrated you know, the, the national ones, they all effectively have the same eight or nine guys going into the top. Now, maybe the order is a little bit different, but effectively it's all the same. It does feel like that nine is where there's something of a cutoff because that then because then you get to ten, and then it starts becoming a little more random. So it, it feels like on some level that there's a nine. It's like a nine-player situation. The thing that's bad about so okay, so you can say okay, great. So that means the Wizards are going to get one of these nine guys if that's a thing. The problem is though, they're going to obviously they just get who's ever left if that's the way to look at it. And in some cases, that could be good. If it's like a Cam Reddish from Duke, a small forward, you know, for the Wizards, this is not a situation about you drafting for need, but that would work out nicely. They don't have a three anymore, which is amazing considering they had Otto and Uber just a year ago. Um, but on the other hand, there's a couple of point guards. Uh, Darius Garland out of Vanderbilt. He's supposed to be a really good prospect, big-time shooter, but he basically didn't play this year because of a knee injury. And then you have uh, Jackson Hayes, a center from Texas, who's interesting, but like in my head, okay, wait, if you're going to hypothetically bring back Thomas Bryant or Bobby Portis drafting this kid at nine, again, I'm not saying I wouldn't, I'm just saying it's, it's, it doesn't make as much sense. So at nine, they just, if it is a nine player group, then they just got limited to the last, you know, they got to take the leftover. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. The other thing is 
you know, the Wizards, obviously, as we know, they don't have a ton of assets to work with right now. They basically, the entire roster right now is about, what, five guys, give or take, and that's including an injured John Wall. They don't have any second-round picks between now and the end of time. And, you know, whatever, if you pick four or five, and the gap between four and nine isn't that big of a deal, then trading down a little bit in that perspective could make some sense, especially when you have teams like Atlanta who have eight and ten. Maybe they want to move up for somebody. You know, that's the type of thing that you could make it work. But they lost that option effectively by falling down to nine. I mean, people, I've heard people saying, well, why don't you trade down from nine and get more things? You have to tell me who, who's, who's behind them that wants to move up to what it seems like a fairly weak spot in the draft. The difference between nine and 20 doesn't seem like it's that impactful. So I don't – anything is possible, but I, I'm not seeing teams trade up to, for, to give you, you – know, forget second-round picks. I'm not counting that as like an actual thing. That's just an asset. That's not really going to help the, the roster most likely. But to get like an extra first, I don't see that happening at nine. So I think from that perspective is where they got hosed the most. Just to the straight up, we have this pick that could be coveted, or, or, or teams might want to move up. And I think that's the, the biggest, um, <clears throat> the biggest issue. And you know, as for the players, so last night, as I was saying, I was on the set, and I had at the end of the the, the stream that we were doing, they they wanted to have my updated mock draft up on the screen so we could discuss it. So I had to sit there and really do it really quick. And so I checked with a few people around the league and I said, okay, here, here's this draft. Here's the top eight picks I just made up. And I gave Jackson Hayes 10 to Atlanta because I didn't want to give him to the Wizards. Again, thinking that, you know, if Thomas Bryant stays or Bobby Porter stays, you don't take him. And so I asked people, what do you think? And somebody said, take Rory Hachimura from Gonzaga. He'd be the best guy. So immediately somebody else messages, says, Ed, don't take Rory Hachimura. He doesn't have a good feel for the game. Somebody else said, I would take Bowl Bowl. He, he, there, there's some concern, but he's got some crazy upside. But leading into this draft, I wrote a story about how some people can't stand Bowl Bowl as a prospect. And this goes on and on and round and round, and, and this is sort of the thing. It's not that there won't be some guys in this spot who turn out to be great or, or, or starters or maybe even an all-star or two. You know, you, you, you never know how that's going to go. But the 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 gap between, like, anybody feeling really good about anybody and urgent at the gap, but, like, the, the, you know, finding people who have there's any consensus or that anybody feels good, whereas, like, the, the, the potential is there, but so is a high floor, that almost seems like it doesn't exist. Maybe it will in a month. Things will change. They'll have the combine. They'll have meetings and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, things do evolve. Kevin Herter at this point a year ago, some people thought was a second round pick. He moved up to the to the teens. So things will change. But the, it just feels like this year at nine, the the level of consensus seems way off. And, and that's what makes it so tricky. They're going to have to really scout the hell out of this out of this pick. I know that's their job. But nine, just it just made it so much more complicated in this particular year. They lost the asset value, and it's at a spot where, oh, man, there's nobody that people seem to really love as we stand here right now. So plausible scenario I'm throwing out, I'm going to throw at you. Someone who somebody in the middle of the draft likes starts to fall, and it gets to nine. That's probably the most likely scenario when you can get something for the ninth pick, you know. Uh, but there aren't that many teams. So who has two first round picks? So, so Atlanta has Boston eight and has ten. Two that first doesn't round help. The, the Spurs have two. The Spurs have two. Yeah, Boston has three. I mean, Boston has fourteen, right. twenty, and twenty-two. 
Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I guess if there's someone like Boston really loves, then maybe you can get 14 and 22 or something like that for nine. Like, that's a... That's a trade that, like, history says those kind of trades have happened. You know, you look at, like, the Doug McDermott trade on draft night. Like, that was something like that. What was that, 13 and 16 for whatever McDermott was? Like, those are sure. those are things that have happened. So that's that's a plausible way. But otherwise, I mean, yeah, in, in all realisticness, realisticness well, well, in all reality, <laughs> it's going to be hard um, to do that because of the positioning. But the, the draft, I mean, also – a lot of the people, like the range of where they're in, that's kind of when it starts to transition to a lot of bigs. And by that point, they're going to have a better idea of what they want to do this summer, and they're going to have somebody in who's going to have more of a standpoint. But they got Dwight, they got Mahimi, you know, they got uh, Bryant as a restricted guy and Portis as a restricted guy, and all that stuff is going to tie together. Now, I don't think just because Dwight Howard picked up his player option, he's guaranteed to be on the team next year. And I don't believe, my personal belief is that having Dwight Howard for one year on your roster should not at all impact who you draft. Uh, but yeah, all this I, is going to come I, I'm to not, play. I'm not remotely this. factoring Dwight Howard in anything I'm thinking about for what it's worth. I mean, yeah, I don't. I know you're whether, not. I, whether, I know you're not. Whether he's here or not. I'm, no, no, I'm just saying to, to whoever's listening, whether he's here or not, I'm with you. I, I would... I don't, I don't want to say what, what odds I would put on it because we just saw the, the Wizards have no odds and land ninth. So I don't want to put odds and then all of a sudden be like, oh, boy, I guess I was way off. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about the White Howard here uh, next year. Yeah. I mean, it depends on who's who's running the team. By, by, by the way, just to, to go back to this trade down thing, like I, I don't know what like there's like I was just at the Redskins training camp, uh, sorry, rookie mini camp, and people were asking me, oh, how did Dwayne Haskins look, their first round uh, quarterback? I'm like, okay, look, there's no there's no pa- there's no pads, there's no blocking, there's no tackling. What am I going to tell you? Some people will go out of their way to gush and say, oh, he had a great arm and he looked accurate, and I don't like doing that as the person who is being. The the, the the conduit for the fan who's interested in this. Because if I start telling you that he looks like freaking, you know, Peyton Manning, I'm setting up false expectations based on a nothing event. And I say this because this is what I don't like when people talk about trading down. This, for one, this is not the NFL. The second round is borderline irrelevant, and it's only the only other round there is. So the idea of trading down, it's not a real thing. It could, it, yes, it happens. But you can't go, this is what a team – I don't personally think you go, this is what a team should be doing because it, it's just too easy to say. You, if you give it specifics, the rumor is X, that they this team wants to do X. Okay, then maybe we can get into that. But just in the general concept, it doesn't it, – it's not something you can do. And in this particular case, like I said, you got to tell me who, what team wants to move up to that spot. And sure, if Cam Reddish from Duke falls and he seems like he's the guy – who might be one of those top eight or nine who falls a bit, you have to ask, well, why is he falling? Now, some team may say, I don't care. We just want him. We think he's all that in a bag of chips. But, you know, there's that aspect. So just in general, I'm hesitant to ever talk about a team should trade down. Sure, we all – everybody thinks that trade down, get extra first-round pick. Sounds great. But it's it's, it's setting up a false reality, just like me saying Dwayne Haskins looked fantastic playing against no defense. So that's my rant on that. I completely agree with you. People, you know, you know, it's another question like that that I get in like February. Uh, you know, Wizards might lose a game, and then the next day I'll go to practice, 
maybe get on a radio hit that afternoon after practice. And invariably, the person who I'm on the radio with will ask me, so what was what was the mood like in practice today? And I'm like, I don't know. The same as it is literally every other day. They're just shooting around doing basketball stuff. Everything was the same. It's always the same. It, that kills me too. And these, so many people just overanalyze this stuff so much just because, like, you're there and you feel like you you have to make something of it because you're there. It's like, no, sometimes, like, not every moment in your life is significant. Sometimes you're just being a human being who exists. Man, I'm ranting again. Oh, my God. Am I having a bad day and I don't realize it? <laughs> Well, no, we're, 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 we're both there because I was going to say that, like, it's one thing when the radio host, in your case, asks the question, but sometimes I hear people who definitively tell you what the mood was. And, look, maybe they know. I mean, if Woj says it, I, I okay, sure, God's talking. What am I going to say? But, uh, you know, sometimes I'm just like, wow, how did you definitively know that, I, especially if it's something like I was at? I'm like, wow, you, you have some amazing perception because I didn't catch anything. Yeah. I just saw X, Y, Z happening. But, you know, it, this is sort of my point. I just think it's, in, in our case, in, in what we all do, I think it's incumbent to be as realistic as possible, including to say, I don't know. Or that's, I, 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 look, I get it, but, like, what do you want me to say? That, that If I tell you this, like, somebody who's giving me grief, slugmug grief, because I was talking about the idea of if Zion came here, what would it mean for not just the Wizards, but DC Sports, and somebody gave, gave me grief last night saying, you gave us hope. I'm like, I didn't tell you that the Wizards are trading up to get 42% of the odds. They still have 9% chance. That's it. Like, I, the rest of it is on you. you go, go nuts or don't go nuts. What do I care? You know what anyway. I think? I think uh, I think the Wizards' ping-pong balls didn't, didn't come to play. That's what I think. <laughs> I think they were unprepared. The... Uh, the, the combinations didn't do their stretching. They were clearly unprepared. They didn't watch any film. They had no idea of what the coverages of the Pelicans' combinations were, and they just they screwed the pooch. Screwed the pooch yeah. is a weird expression. Yeah, especially if you really literally start thinking, wait, what did we just say? Yeah. Screwed the pooch is a weird one. Looks like they screwed the pooch. Weird one. Uh, okay. We're ending it on this before I just get myself in trouble. It's, I'm, I'm bound to say something terrible. Well, I have a question. I have a quick question. This yeah. may be too much, but if it is, you go for it. Or tell me we can. No, now it, you but. have to ask if it's too much. <laughs> well, so obviously the one thing with this with the Wizards is you know we mentioned that they only have like you know four people on the roster, but the most notable one is obviously Bradley Beal. And one question that's obviously going to continue to come up here over the next few weeks is. What do the Wizards do with him? The answer may be simply be nothing. Don't do anything with a guy who might be all named all NBA and he's only 25 and all that stuff. But obviously the idea of him potentially trading him, especially as we mentioned earlier, if Anthony Davis stays in New Orleans, all of a sudden all these teams that have been gearing up for him have got to do something else. Or even if Anthony Davis does get moved, he's you know the other teams who got left at the altar are going to want something. Does the fact that the Wizards got nine in your head, does that change the – concept of trading him. In other words, if they'd gotten Zion, you could maybe talk yourself into saying, oh, now all of a sudden the Wizards could be back in the playoffs pretty quickly. Or you could even say the other way, well, now that we have Zion, we, meaning the Wizards, can start over knowing we have this huge building block and can easily more trade Bradley Beal now. Does, does, does the fact that nine happened instead, does that – because, again, nine, realistically, they're not getting a starter per se – 
they already don't have much of a roster as it stands. You know, even if you bring back Bryant, Sadoransky, they, you know, whatever, the, the, it's hard to look at a team and go, oh, that's a, a contender again. But on the other hand, if you trade Bradley Beal, I mean, what do you do? And then you then then you're really starting over, and you know all that. So does nine change your opinion, whatever it was before, about them moving him or not? Not really, because yeah, I mean, like you said, I think there's an argument either way, and it kind of depends on who the person is, you know. Like if they had gotten Zion, I think the argument to trade Beal would have been just as strong as the argument to keep him. You know, and I think I think look, part of it is like this situation. There's a very realistic chance this situation bears itself out anyway. Like we're gonna find out pretty soon if Bradley Beal is all NBA or not. And uh, if he's all NBA, we're just gonna find out. And if he's if they're gonna be able to keep him or not, and that's gonna be it. If they don't want to offer him the supermax, they probably won't keep him. And it's going to be as simple as that. If they offer it to him and he turns it down, then they're probably going to have to trade him. And that's just what it's going to have to be. So I don't even know. I think the arguments were valid on either side. And I also think that, like, if Brad makes All-NBA, where they're picking doesn't even matter because the decision is going to really be made for them in all likelihood. So I'm uh, I'm curious to see how it plays out. But I don't know if where they're drafting by the end is really going to have any sort of impact on it, you know? If he makes all NBA, yeah. which I'm predicting he will, by the way. Well, you know, when they have to trade him, you'll uh, you know you'll be partly responsible. So hope you can uh, live with that. Um, not. That's true. <laughs> I no, um, I can't. I hate that. That's why I hate this rule that I. Uh, I mean, I vote. I voted for him. Third team all NBA, and I. I I hate this conflict of interest rule that the league threw at the writers. Of you know, if the guy makes all NBA based on the writers voting, then. He's super max eligible, and now you've got beat writers and national writers and that kind of stuff influencing the landscape of the league. It should never be like that, and I promise you nobody hates it more than the journalists. And I talk to people in the league, and people in the league are like, that's so stupid. Why did they give you guys that? Like, you did it. It's your league. We didn't ask for it. We weren't consulted on it. They were just like, here's what we're doing. And all the writers were like, we don't want it. And the fact that I am a beat writer covering Bradley Beal and I have 1% of the vote, um, whether or not he is eligible for the Supermax contract, which will have major a major impact on the Wizards franchise, is just a thing that shouldn't exist. Yeah, 100%. And, and yeah, that, that, it is a weird uh, weird thing and an unfortunate uh, circumstance and blah, 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 and that whole thing. But, yeah, um, yeah, All-NBA is going to matter, and there will be a lot of things in play, but uh, yeah, no, I was, but anyway, I was just curious. if uh, it, it didn't really move anything for it did that they pick nine doesn't really change anything for me, but this is where the new GM, whoever this person's going to be, is going to be a uh, you know it's all about what's their mindset. I mean, you know, we still don't know what Ted's thinking, Ted Leonsis is thinking at this point either. So um, it's going to be interesting. Yes, it will. Uh, you want to plug plug anything before we uh, sign off? Um, I am uh, as you said in Chicago, like yourself. I will be at uh, some steakhouse either tonight or tomorrow night with Chris Miller paying off the bet that we made during this season that uh, he, Jan Mahimi had to hit a three-pointer. Chris had to buy me a steak dinner, and he hit one this year, and I'm collecting here in Chicago because where else would you want to collect? So I'm basically going to plug my dinner. 
But beyond that, you can read whatever I wrote about the draft and Wizards on NBC Sports Washington. Good enough. All right. Sounds like a great meal. Wouldn't it, <laughs> wouldn't it have been Wouldn't it have been amazing if Jan hadn't hit that three early in the year? And then finally, and then in the it, last game of the year, he hit two threes. Finally, yeah, well, that's, that's right. When, that's that's right when he did, did it. I mean, that really would have been unbelievable for the bet with. With that would have been bigger. That would have been more. Cl- that would have been uh, more clutch than Kawhi. <laughs> more clutch than you with the glasses. Let's bring it full circle. Uh, uh, subscribe to Wizards After Dark on iTunes. Give us five stars on there. Leave a nice review if you're feeling generous. That's always great when people do that. That helps more than you would realize. Um, I'll be back with another episode. I don't know when. Certainly by next week, around midweek, when I normally do them. Uh, but I don't know if I just like bump into someone who wants to record it, someone else who wants to record a podcast while I'm at the combine. That's that's possible too. Why why not? I might do that. Otherwise, uh, I'll be back in the normal time slot sometime around the middle of the week next week, like usual. And uh, thank you for listening, everyone. I appreciate you always tuning in and listening and all that, no matter. How depressing sometimes I'm sure the Wizards get for their fans. I will be back next week, like I said, and I will talk to you guys then.